Hey everybody, General Tyler here. So before the episode starts, I just want to warn you all that the audio is a little wonky on this one. Uh, I'll take the blame for that. I thought some levels were set where they turned out not to be on our temporary guest setup. And unfortunately, our guests' voices are the ones that paid the price. Uh, I've already reached out letting them know my bad, but before we begin, I'm sorry y'all. And I'm sorry to you guys, the listeners. Uh, Normally, the episodes clean up a little bit better than this. However, I will say that I just got done editing it, and I do think it's still all pretty listenable. A little bit more noise, a little bit of distortion on the guests at times, but everything's already in place so that this will not happen again, especially when we do part two. But for now, if you want to hear us talk about what we do when our fave is problematic... You can listen to us inside. General Nerdery. You know what's really hard to make a, like, let's do a funny intro for this. Talking about how some people suck even when you like their art. Yeah, There's no, like, I don't have a theme song to translate to General Nerdery for that one. Just... I, th- I thought you were going to come up with a theme. Oh, I, I've actually been really disappointed. I haven't had a good theme song for the last, like, six times. I couldn't come up with anything for Mortal Kombat, of all things. Well, because it already has a theme. Welcome to General Nerdery, where you're generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. And today we have two guests with us today. We have returning Will. Hello. Who was with us on our Pokemon episode. And coming on for the first time, we have my buddy, Anya. Hi, I'm Anya. That's Anya. Hi, Anya. (laughs) (laughs) Who I was trying to be here at Tyler's house before she got here, because they've never met before. But I fucked that one up. So... Yeah, I was really expecting you when I opened the door. Thank God you have less social anxiety than I do. Um, I'll just walk into a stranger's house. This will be fine! (laughs) (laughs) Anyways... We're your podcast about liking things. I completely lost track for a second there. Uh, Today we're talking about when things you like may be problematic. We've been talking about doing this episode since I think our very first episode. Yeah, probably, because when we were given our nerd cred, I had to mention that I love Lovecraft. Uh, Oh, yep. He's a giant racist. He's a giant fucking racist. (laughs) First time we've said that today. Or we're just going to keep it. First time we've said that since I started recording. I should say that. I've said it like four times today. New drinking game. <laughs> I would die on you. Um, but before we go into this, Anya, what are your nerd creds? I mean, you know me, so clearly you're just a lost fucking cause. But <laughs> I am in Belagarth. That's probably my biggest nerd cred. I've been in Belagarth since... 2012? It does tend to be kind of the topper. Yeah. What, what nerdy things do you do? I dress up and hit people with foam swords. I yep. Love, <laughs> I love video games on and off. I used to be a lot bigger video game nerd before, you know, adult job and stuff. <laughs> what system do you play? <laughs> what? I am a writer and a reader of a great many nerd things. Uh, most of what I read right now and write, all of what I write right now is queer fiction. And the nerdier the better, so... Lots of nerd stuff there. I dabble in comic books very lightly. 
uh, I watch movies a lot. I watch TV a lot. What do I not nerd? I I don't know. No, I you're just good. dabble in everything. I love asking this question because you can just see the look of fear in people's <laughs> eyes when they're like, "How am I a nerd?" <laughs> Not <laughs> what specific just, things? Sorry. Time to just get it. Let's just get existential. Just you right now. <laughs> How am I a nerd? I married a nerd, and then our criteria for buying a house was that we had to have a basement where we could put all our nerd stuff. So I have never seen someone who's as big of a, a Legend of Korra fangirl as you are. So that's what I think of you with. Yes. Which actually. Was the episode I wanted to get you on first originally, and then I was like, fuck, I am far too straight white male to talk about problematic creators alone. Not alone, Tyler's here. I'm an asshole. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. I pass. (laughs) Uh, No, I mean, and that probably would have happened if J.K. Rowling wouldn't have kept tweeting. And then more else. Thanks and then more analysis. That was really the point, because at first we were like, I don't know if we have the energy to deal with this right now. And then my favorite author, and we've already had my therapy session about this on this podcast, but my favorite author turned out he sucked too, and we're like, fuck, we just can't afford this. Well, before we get to that. Thank fuck. <laughs> I'm sure we've all been ingesting media over the week. What have y'all been ingesting? All right, well, I've got three things. Um, first off, very relevant in... Uh, to today's topic is a podcast called Fanti, which the the two hosts they discuss things that they're fans of while also diving into difficult and nuanced discussions about how sometimes those those things those people can be problematic. So it's basically this episode in podcast form. Yeah, yeah, basically. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> I picked it. I, I picked it up. It's um. It's they're they're both. Uh, both of the hosts are black, so it's been a really fed, like, well, it's especially relevant right now. So it's What did you say this was called? Fanti. Uh, F-A-N-T-I. Uh, the I, okay. fan and anti slaps together. Oh! Oh. I, it was like fan-tied, fan-tied, like I hentai, kept think- but weirdly translated. I'm terrible. Uh, I kept thinking like Fanta. Fanta? <laughs> <laughs> right? You have tea. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, all I heard is that you actually did your homework, and the rest of us are just rolling us. in here. <laughs> it's what I do, son. Yeah. Um, I've also, I, I don't know if any of you are familiar with the Gone series by Michael Grant. Um, I I think I read that in high school, and then did, I had it on my phone since then and decided to reread it. And apparently there's two new books. The series is continuing out of nowhere recently. So okay. I am probably thinking of a completely different God. So I'm just going to ask, are we talking about the Japanese manga about no. the adorable little Tyrannosaurus no. being beat up by bears? No. Um, but that sounds fascinating. It's perfect. And I need to check it out. It's a, it's we'll get to your thing in a sec. I'm sorry. I'm just too excited. <laughs> yeah. It's spelled G O N. Not like Geo and okay. And it's a little like invincible fucking T-Rex, like very like cartoony, just wandering around and meeting like realistic looking like animals of like modern so like bears, raccoons, whatever. He almost gets always gets shit kicked. And then it almost always ends with him like happily hanging out with like little woodland creatures. <laughs> it never says a word. It is a completely visual only comic book. 
I can't even picture this, and I'm so looking forward to learning what the hell this is. Look, man, <laughs> next time you come over to my house, I have, like, eight volumes of it. Oh, God. It's right. so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's so dumb. <laughs> I'm sorry, but anyways, tell me about the actual Gone that is probably yeah. much more in-depth. Um, so, the basic premise of the series is that uh, it's just it is just a normal day in the town of Perdido Beach, California. And then everyone over the age of 14, I think it was, disappears. They just, they're all gone. And, uh, and then it turns out that they just have a, this bubble about a mile, uh, a mile radius that's just, well, all these kids live here now. So, uh, I've seen it put, I've seen it described as kind of a, um, um, Oh God! What's the one where it's all the kids that all the British school kids? That Lord, of Lord of the Flies. Lord of the, yeah, Lord of the. <laughs> thank you. Lord of the Flies meets Stephen King. Yeah. Um, Hopefully, with less white boy imperialism, but you know. It, yeah. Well. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I haven't. Well, maybe, I haven't, I haven't thought about it to that. I haven't thought about it to that lens. Um, That's why we're here, right? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's pretty much just Lord of the Flies, like. Yeah. Um, Stephen King had uh, has said that he loves the series, so take take uh, take that for what you think it's worth. Um, and then last thing that I've that I've been ingesting is the uh, Command and Conquer remastered, which is just the first Command and Conquer game, and then Command and Conquer Red Alert One that came out recently. I've been just in I, I've been guzzling that down. So that's that's been a lot of my gaming for the last. How is it that you're always playing video games that I was just like super fucking into when I was like eight? I have an appreciation for the <laughs> classics. <laughs> oh, as soon as you started saying that, I'm like, oh my god! All the hours on Command and Conquer, so good, so good. Age of Empires Two is the one of that like RTS that I really miss, but I used to. I had, like, the shitty friend that had the game but would not let me play the game. Nice. So I watched a lot of Command and Conquer. <laughs> like, he wasn't shitty. He was six. But, like... You don't need that kind of energy in your life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, the two questions. One, is this just on Steam, or...? Uh, no, it is... Um, I mean, Steam is where I bought it through, uh, but it is also on um, Origin. I was going to say, if this is on the Switch, I'm going to waste even more money. Um. <laughs> That's not to my knowledge. That's probably good. RTSs have never translated well. Yeah, to- yeah. Um, I did. It is kind of interesting in that as part of this collection, apparently they do have, I, I, I guess there was an N64. Yeah, yeah, I beat it. Okay, yeah. It sucks because it's terrible to yeah. play RTSs on consoles. Uh, they have those, they have those <laughs> missions in... the controller. <laughs> they have those missions in this collection. I haven't, oh. played them, I haven't played them yet, but they're they're in it. I'm just kind of bouncing around wildly uh, from one mission to the next and just 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 enjoying that Tiberium life. Yeah, okay, so right. the next question, final question for this. Are the Tesla coils zapping people as satisfying as it was when I was eight years old? I have not played as much Red Alert 1 as I have uh, Command and Conquer, uh, so I haven't gotten far enough in the missions to have those unlocked. Actually, no, 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 I played one of the Secret Ant levels, and that did have a Tesla coil in it. So. One of the reasons that I wasn't allowed to play very often is because I was really bad, mostly because I would just build Tesla coils and watch them zap, and then they'd show up with, like, one tank, and I'd be like, well, 
<laughs> this was fun. <laughs> Remember when you eventually got the Tesla tanks? Ooh, oh, zappy tanks. All the Tesla tanks. <laughs> oh my god, this game. Mmm, zappy tanks. <laughs> In the remaster, they do have it so that you can switch it back and forth between the original graphic settings and the remastered graphic settings. Oh. Um, oh. So. Sometimes just for fun, I'll just... Alright, well, here's a fight going on. I'm just going to flip back and forth for a bit, just because I can. Oh, God, I just feel like I'm having a stroke trying to imagine that. <laughs> oh, my God. Anya, what about yourself? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Anya! So, I've been in quarantine mode where it's just, like, re-watching the same stuff because you know, this is good and I don't know what else to do with my life because I've been sitting in my house for weeks. Uh, but this week on Netflix they came out with a show called Warrior Nun and they're like, you'll like this show. And I was like, maybe? And it so does seem built for you? <laughs> oh my god, this show is so cool. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's the, like, the first episode is a dead girl who gets reanimated by this, like, artifact, religious artifact that these Catholic nuns have, and the, but they're, like, warrior nuns, and they go and, I don't know, what are they is, even fighting for? I don't know, but they go and fight, like, demons and stuff, and it's just... Is this a cartoon? No, it's a live-action show. It's oh. uh, set in Europe, so it's not American-centric, which is really exciting. Is it a British show, too, or is it's it It's not just... British. Um, I'm not actually sure who made it um, or where it was made right now. The episode I'm on is, or the section that I've been in is mostly set in Spain, and it's just very exciting. Uh, super cool. It's pretty surprisingly gory, because it looked like it was kind of <laughs> going to be a cheesy YA show. And it turned out not to be that. It's, I'm totally not Googling this while we're recording right <laughs> it's now. a super great show. Definitely wow, I, st I typed it. in W-A-R-R, -R and they're like, do you mean Warrior Nun? Yes. <laughs> like, Go watch it. So my, cool. my phone actually decided to be like, oh, remember when you actually downloaded the Netflix app on your on your phone? Yeah, we're going to recommend to you Warrior Nun. Oh, it's, like, it's <laughs> an Okay, like, yeah. Okay, that sounds interesting. And then you go watch, and you're like, it is based off a comic book, no based on the comic book character Warrior Nun Ariella by Ben Dunn. Oh my god, that's amazing. Hmm. Go watch it. Wow, he yes. really wishes he was Humberto Ramos. Okay, anyway, sorry guys. Um, uh, <laughs> I didn't know how loud it was going to be. <laughs> I've also been re-watching Blown Away on Netflix. If you haven't watched it, it's a glass-blowing competition and if you're into competition shows it's like one of the best ones i've ever watched because it's glass blowing and it's super cool and it's wildly stressful because every time you hear glass hitting the floor and breaking you just want to die but it's also great because it's someone else's stress and you don't have to care about it so if you need to de-stress from quarantine and watch other people struggle go watch blown away and watch awesome glass blowing art i one time had the opportunity to see glass blowing done uh, in, in person when I was visiting Europe at a um, at a Swarovski place. So, you know, top, top of the line kind of felt <laughs> it was it was only for a few minutes, but good lord, that was intense. It's intense. It's hot and it's terrifying and everything you're working with is super delicate and super temperamental and half the time, more, more than half the time doesn't work out. So. It's like Forge and Fire, but more breakable. Yeah. Jesus. 
you got anything else, or is that... Uh, I've been reading... Oh, no. So I walked into a bookstore the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I have First 30 many sentences with, oh, no, I walked into a bookstore the other day. Uh, and it was also still during Pride, so they had their Hell Pride yeah. display up right inside the front door, and... I took two steps in the door and had three books in my arms <laughs> within like five minutes. I picked up one book. I read the first half of the first sentence of the summary, and I was like, I'm buying this <laughs> because it just used all of the buzzwords that hit all of my nerddoms. It was like witches in Ireland, uh, they're queer. And they're investigating a murder. Uh, so the book is called Witches of Ash and Ruin. It's a YA novel. It's very queer. It's very witches. It's got murder. It's in Ireland. Gay and Irish I, witches does kind of like sum up your personality. Yep. In like three words. <laughs> yep. So great book. Loving it. <laughs> Let's see. I wish the three words that summed me up were that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Well, while we figure out words to sum you up, what have you been ingesting, too? Uh, this week's been a really boring week for what I've been ingesting. Um, I really, after doing all the uh, the Mortal Kombat cramming last week, I just really needed to uh, not do anything. So, <laughs> uh, so I... I started putting on Shit's Creek just in the background and then ended up falling way more in love with that show than I thought I was going oh. to. Although, as much as I love Catherine O'Hara, I hate her character in the show. Oh god, so it's much. so good. Oh, Moira is getting on my nerves so bad cuz she's the only one not growing, but I'm mostly in season 2. Though? How far are you into the show? I'm um I'm right at the end of season 2. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, yeah, hang in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I liked it at first, but I was initially just throwing it on as something to be in the background, and I've started loving it more and more and more. It's, oh my God, so good. Anyway, um, and then other than that, like, I finally got around, because I've, I've been gradually going through Battlestar Galactica, I finally got to the end of season three, which is amazing. I couldn't, wow, it... It, season three ends with three things that had already been spoiled for me, and I still found myself crying at the end of it. So uh, that's I don't want to spoil it for anyone listening right now. But it ends with three really huge, crazy things, and I was still just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I can't believe it's happening. I've already known about this for half a year. <laughs> uh, but that's it. Let's see. Most of my stuff I can't talk too heavily about because either we're doing an episode on it in a couple weeks or we just did it. Because I picked up Mortal Kombat 11 after last week's episode. And holy shit, I know you said there were so many cutscenes, but like, it's just you're watching a movie at this point. And every once in a while the movie pauses and you fight someone. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating at all. But uh, how are you liking that movie? It's so dumb. <laughs> and it's so amazing. It's so fucking cool. And it shouldn't be. None of Mortal Kombat should work. <laughs> um, and true. Cece, who has never... She knew Mortal Kombat was a game. Like, that was her entire experience with it. And watching me play, and, like, at first she's like, oh, so it's like Soul Calibur? But she, later on, she's just fucking dying over it. Uh, other stuff, I watched Hamilton for the first time last night. Watched, I mean, I've listened to it to death. It is so good. 
And that's actually what we're doing next week, so I can yell about it then. Really love musicals. Really love Lin-Manuel Miranda. Holy shit. I only cried twice. Didn't expect to cry either time at Eliza. We'll get to that next week. <laughs> uh, I've been rewatching Avatar The Last Airbender. Just mostly to relax. Like, fuck, I, mean, I, I need messages it. against imperialism while calming down, and Avatar does it. I was going to watch it alone, and then Cece walked into the room, and Avatar was playing. She just goes, betrayal. <laughs> <laughs> so we watched the entire first season the next day. Like, yeah. just started over. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Uh, we got any news? We got today? we got two quick things of news we're going to go through. One of them you already brought up to me and made sure that I knew about it earlier this week. Uh, Marvel now has the rights to do Alien and Predator. Comics, not comics. Movies. Okay, okay. Marvel has been buying character licenses up the wazoo lately, and it has led to a realization that they could do the greatest crossover comic book of all time. Because at this point, it could be Alien versus Predator versus Conan the Barbarian versus Star Wars versus Ultraman versus Spider-Man. I'm missing some of that shit. Uh, versus Simpsons. They probably do. <laughs> <laughs> I would re- like. I love stupid comic book crossovers. You know, Justice League versus Power Rangers. Uh, Batman Ninja Turtles. Uh, uh, God, what are some of the truly bizarre... Uh, Punisher Archie? Punisher Archie's a great one. Martian Manhunter meets Marvin the Martian. Batman versus Elmer Fudd. Disney got the Looney Tunes license for a while, and it was just perfection, guys. It was so good. <laughs> uh, but they really, like, have the chance to to really do that. Now, oh, Warhammer 40k was the one that I forgot. So... Technically, they could do a Predator meets the universe of 40K now if they wanted. Will, I think I just I murdered mean, you. I mean, I... Predators in the 40K? <laughs> Xenos versus Tyranids? Like... Oh. That, I mean, I would I would be all over that. I, um, uh, I guess, actually, this might be... This kind of fits in with the new segment. Um, ninth edition for Warhammer 40K is basically starting... This next weekend on the eleventh, and I'm I I have a chunk of change set aside specifically to buy the limited edition uh, Indomitus box. And is it just me, or do editions? And I think this is true of like most things that do you know Magic the Gathering. Mm, yeah, yeah. Do editions come out like every four seconds now, or do I just notice time differently now that I'm thirty versus like eight? I do feel well. I think, both. Yeah, yes. yeah. Both. <laughs> I. I know, I know. With Warhammer 40k, uh, I mean, I only got into it like mid to late eighth edition, so I don't know. I have, I don't have the history. But from the memes complaining about the history, it does sound like it. It has been a like slow but steady acceleration. Well, like Warhammer 40k started in what the early 80s, I want to say. So yeah, I mean it was way way and back there. They've gone through like three editions in the last 10 years. So let's. Well, I know that even back when I was playing Blood Bowl as mm-hmm. a six-year-old, it was third edition of that. No, I don't even know what edition they're at at this point. I mean, right. I'm just the cranky old man that still plays <laughs> D&D 3.5, because that's what I 
own, and I'm like, I'm not buying the books again. Yeah, I mean, I might buy fifth edition now. I backed a Kickstarter that had like uh, ancient um, uh, Earth, so like the Egyptians, the Romans, the Greeks. Oh, the oh, ancient Chinese. I need to hear all about the I, the, the Parthian Empire. The there, there's one empire, and I can't think of what they're called because they were tiny. I ever forgot about them <laughs> because they were directly in between Greece and Rome. And you're like, oh, you're gonna have a bad day like, <laughs> every day. And, it, and no one really remembers them. I vaguely remember them from art history because they had like some pretty cool, unique. Because they had, like, the same gods in the same way the Romans and the Greeks did, but with different names again. So, <laughs> but, but news. <laughs> so, yeah. We could get the greatest crossover of all time. They, mostly it just means... To do that mostly it just means that Dark Horse doesn't have those properties anymore, which is really sad for Dark Horse. Marvel has directly cribbed from Dark Horse. I shouldn't say that. They bought the rights fair and square. But they're owned by Disney, so fuck them. To Star Wars, Conan the Barbarian, Alien, and Predator away from Dark Horse at this point. They also lost Firefly to Boom Comics. Dark Horse was like number four pretty much for a long time in uh, comic book companies. And now they have lost... Like at this point they have Hellboy and that's about it. They also do the Avatar and Korra comics. That's right. They do have... They brought that up being like, (laughs) we have stuff still. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Facebook post. I'm not sure their voice cracked during it, but I imagine it. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that. Uh, and then one other bit of news: the big, the other big thing from this week is Ray Fisher uh, spilling the tea on some of the behind-the-scenes drama on the Justice League set a few years ago. Ray Fisher played Cyborg in Justice League. Just he's not as big a name, so just forward here. Um. Well, was something something came up this week where a clip of him praising uh, Joss Whedon and his take uh, taking over of the set after Zack Snyder had to leave was brought up, and Ray Fisher basically was like, "Yeah, so I'm going to go on record as forcefully retracting all of those statements that I said about the guy." Uh, he went on to say, "Where is this?" Uh, Joss Whedon's onset treatment of the cast and crew of Justice League was gross, abusive, unprofessional, and completely unacceptable. He en- he was enabled and in many ways, in many ways, by Jeff Johns and John Berg. Accountability is greater than entertainment. Jeff Johns is a big name in comics. He wrote, recently wrote Doomsday Clock. He created Star Girl, who just recently got her own show. Uh, she wrote a, he he wrote so many things. He was basically running DC at one point went into the movie role and I want to say recently stepped down and it's been implied as something he was kind of forced down it was one of those things where he got a quote-unquote promotion to uh, something where it's basically him doing a job by himself and not being involved anymore with the DCU side okay I know there was a lot of like personality wars in comics for he'd want to do a thing and if someone else would be like I want nothing to fucking do with that um basically the big news from this is that the way fisher is coming out with these statements is basically just something that's not done with a movie of this caliber um not that it's a bad thing in the way that it's not done it's just that it's different like no especially stars of i mean justice league didn't do as good as warner brothers was hoping it would but let's like 
be real, it still made almost a billion dollars. Like, it was a huge, huge summer blockbuster. And now Fisher's like, yeah, by the way, that Whedon guy. Yeah, fuck him. Now, there have been rumors about Whedon for years, which figure, let's just get this out because this is our subject, literally, because I'm a big old Firefly fan. I liked Buffy. I wasn't one of the Buffy, like, devotees, but I did power through five seasons one summer. Like, let's let's be honest here. Um, There have been kind of rumors about Whedon for years. He and Charisma Carpenter said that she was treated like just dog shit on set. And... When his wife divorced, she opened up a lot about how she called him an imposter posing with feminism or something like that and talked about how much he cheated on her and stuff like that. I don't know. Whedon has felt kind of washed up for the last like five years, but not because there's specifically anything I know of him doing. Just like he didn't advance with the times. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'd say at one point, like, Whedon and the way he was writing seemed a lot forward-thinking, and then he never got beyond that point, and the rest of the time sort of passed him by. Is that kind of accurate? This meme of people who were really progressive in the 90s that didn't advance, and it's just like three hands put in, like, no team venture kind of thing. Uh, And it's uh, Joss Whedon, J.K. Rowling, and RuPaul. Mm. Yeah. Um, I am told that Firefly had some kind of problematic stuff about sex work. I do not know enough about sex work to know what was wrong with that. Because I always thought it was kind of progressive, but we are way outside my wheelhouse. Like, So when people who work in sex I work are like, that's a little issue. I might need to watch it again, see see what I can... I think, I think this is me guessing, and hey, if I'm wrong and you know I'm wrong, feel free to write us. We, I still want fan, not fan mail, but I still want, like, more audience interaction, is that the, the companions or whatever they were called were treated almost like royalty, but anyone else who was a sex worker, they were like, oh, they're horse. They're, like, they're kind of harsh on it. Mm-hmm. So it really was kind of like glorifying one group and then delegitimizing the rest, but eh, I'm fucking talking out of my butt here. Well, I, as far as these specific things that Ray Fisher said, as someone who follows a lot of the behind the scenes of some of these movies, there's some pretty good guesses of what he was talking about for some of this. Uh, gross is probably. When he said he was gross, abusive, unprofessional, and completely unacceptable. The completely unacceptable is just a sum up. Mm -hmm. Like, there's probably not one thing he's talking about there. The gross is probably that when Joss came on to Justice League, he's the one that included the scene of Flash basically falling all over the top of Wonder Woman and then having a weird, like, oh, I fell on your chest and then I'm going to flash up out of, you know, back onto my feet, like, oops, I'm sorry, I did that moment. Joss apparently insisted that that scene happened to the point where Gal Gadot did not want to do it and he used a body double to make that scene happen anyway. Oh. Oh, ew. Okay. Ew. Okay. Um... The abusive, there isn't any particular rumors of, uh, although it might just be the fact that there's personality clashes and he can be kind of an outspoken asshole on set sometimes. I've heard he can be kind of a tyrant, too, so if you're already clashing with him. 
And the unprofessional is probably the fact that he supposedly was very much uh, openly bad-mouthing Zach's vision on set when he came on to take over. Yeah, that's gross. Whereas Zach has his own problems, especially if you watch Sucker Punch. But there's other things that he kind of like I understand why Ray's completely behind Zach because Ray Fisher was had no movie credits to his name and Zack Snyder was like I'm going to take this black actor that nobody knows who it is and I'm going to cast him a cyborg and fuck the rest of you and I'm actually going to give him a voice on set and let him have input onto his scenes well and cyborg's part got fucking slashed in the Joss Whedon adaptation because, you know, he was working a lot with Zack Snyder. The movie was not done, but mostly done. Zack Snyder's daughter dies, and he's like, I can't. I gotta step away. Whedon comes in to take over, which was kind of a weird thing anyways, because Avengers 2 was awful. It yes. wasn't entirely his fault, but he was very... He was torching a lot of bridges behind him after Avengers 2. Yeah. So I was surprised to see him come back anyways. I'm not surprised on the Wonder Woman thing, or I am, but I'm not. He wrote, he was supposed to do a Wonder Woman movie back in the day, and it never happened, but the script was leaked later, and it was supposed to be super fucking sexist. And Wonder Woman is not one where you can really do sexist. Like, it's, I mean, you shouldn't anyways, but, uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if Joss has some weird relationship with Wonder Woman. Yeah, I could see that. I don't know. This is one of those things where we'll probably no, never know the tr- <laughs> like we'll never probably know the full story, but it it's it's notable just because it's happening and who knows maybe it's another one of those things that might get a little bit of culture change if people are getting called out like this, but uh we'll just sort of have to see where it goes. All right, so when I was younger, I loved Michael Jackson. I'm pretty sure I made my parents tape every single Michael Jackson special that came on TV from 1994 to 2001. Watching his performances made me want nothing more than to be on stage myself, resulting in me being in 12 plus years of organized choirs, bands, and drama. For me, the journey that results in me sitting here with you all speaking on this podcast is a journey that started with watching him moonwalk at Motown 25 yesterday, today, and forever concert. (laughs) Sorry. Through all that, my love of music deepened and widened. Being exposed to different classical works in band and choir and through pop culture, I'm especially looking at you with the episode of Hey Arnold, What's Opera Arnold? Uh, I came to even have a short list of my favorite composers, and Richard Wagner always made the list. Reading some curious quotes in a book that was a gift from my choir teacher, however, led me on a journey where I learned that He made some very not great statements about Jews and that Hitler himself was a big enough fan that he used some of his work during the torture in the camps at Dachau. Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, the Nazis co-opted Wagner hard. Through all my life, I've been a voracious reader. At age 12, I ran finally into the first book that once I picked it up and started reading it, I couldn't put it down. I was at a friend's house, and it was his copy, and... In retrospect, I'm insanely glad me and him had as brotherly of a connection as we did because I pretty much ignored him for the rest of the day, (laughs) laid awake on his couch, reading it until I finished it at four that morning. Between the library and spending my own money, I made sure to read it and all the sequels that I were out at the time over and over again. Years later, I found out that the money I spent on that series was probably used in some way against the LGBTQ BTQ plus community as that book was an Ender's Game. Oh, God, we're going to talk about it. Oh, boy. 
<laughs> on the other podcast I do, we talk about horror movies. Although I've dug horror movies since I was pretty young, it was another passion that grew first out of my love of reading. I loved reading horror from a pretty young age, but without the internet, I didn't have a great idea of what to check out other than the big names of the time, such as Stephen King and Anne Rice. So when I found out a couple of my favorite songs by my favorite band of all time, Metallica, were based off of old horror stories, I was super down to check out the inspiration. Reading Lovecraft blew my mind's hinges off. The scale, the madness, the mystery all clicked, and being raised in a super small town with a lot of casual racism, the name of his cat didn't actually cause me to even blink during the time period. Uh, then as I entered college and I was making it a point to read his entire bibliography, I came to the realization that one of my favorite authors would have considered me less human than him simply because of who my parents were. We currently live in a world where Bill Cosby is one of the greatest storytellers of all time, and Bill Cosby is a serial rapist, and both can be argued as true statements. A world where millions of people use their Hogwarts, Hogwarts house to help identify who they are, but JK herself won't acknowledge their identities properly. Cancel culture is a buzzword, not just because of certain elements trying to vilify those that don't agree with them, but because culture as a whole is going through a time of trying to figure itself out. In some ways, I feel like the worst possible host of a conversation of the sorts we are gonna to try to have today, because I feel like my own history of ingesting media has been a history of looking the other way just so that I can feel like I have something to connect to. Hell, even the career of three of my favorite directors, their early movies were all produced by the Weinsteins. Uh, however, the ways these issues and others have made me feel over the years is ultimately why I want to make sure that we have this talk, so no one out there is alone in trying to figure this out. Some of those listening might be wondering why we've been talking about this. They can completely compartmentalize what they read, hear, or watch from the author themselves. We're not here necessarily to say that's wrong, but instead that some people don't have that ability, or in some cases that luxury. So instead, we have to figure out a way to exist with the things we like and how they fit in the world so that we can continue to fit into the world, too. Okay. So, now that I feel wildly outclassed and unprepared, <laughs> um, the, the two points of I want to, three points I want to dive in with this on. One, clearly, I mean, you guys all already know me, so if nothing else, trust me that we're all coming at this from a positive place. Not like, if any of us has anything that's like, hey, no, just... Remember, we don't mean it, and this probably won't come up, but we don't mean anything gross. But just, you know, when talking about difficult subjects, that's sometimes a good thing to say. Two, this is not so much about yelling about how H.P. Lovecraft is fucking racist. Two. Uh, <laughs> and, like, just name-dropping, oh, Bill Cosby sucks. Oh, the Weinstein sucks. Oh, this person sucks. But more about... I think of it as kind of the arithmetic of the balance of this, because mm -hmm. art versus the artist is different in so many different ways, and that's kind of what I'm more interested in talking about personally, of like, what about in situations like this, or, you know, uh, then like, this is bad and you shouldn't enjoy it. I'm not, not down to do that. Uh, and then the final one is just admitting my own culpability here. I am a straight white male. <laughs> Anytime an artist does something harmful, it's never directed at me. Usually when an artist is like, here's why white dudes suck. I'm like, oh, God, you got it right. Like, oh, I wish that wasn't true. As opposed to no creators are out there denying my existence or my right to exist. And I know that affects me in 
this conversation. And so another one, I just kind of wanted to, like, it's why we have guests here. Because <laughs> I'm waiting. So that it's more than just our ideas? <laughs> yeah. Like, um, I'm both really grateful you two both came on and really, like, I'm really sorry for pigeonholing you at the same time because you're both members of the queer community. How much you want to talk about that, that's up to you. I should have even asked about that part first. All the time. I mean, yeah. Okay, so you are super open about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure the fact that you're a lesbian came up, like, within the first paragraph of me. Hi, I'm Anya. I'm a lesbian. It's great. I love Ireland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I guess... I guess where to start, who do we not fuck with? <laughs> like, who's sacrosanct? Or... I mean, just on a first, like, I, I guess, where's where's everyone's at? Like, where's where's things that you dig on even though you know the people suck? And where do you draw the line, I guess? Just to, to start with some ideas of the different boundaries we run up against. Can I talk about Harry Potter? You absolutely. Yeah. There's no way we can't <laughs> talk about Harry Potter. Okay, so, I mean, I'm, I'm a Harry Potter kid. I was 11 when Harry Potter was 11. I grew up with Harry Potter. Uh, I think the last two or three books I bought at midnight releases and then stayed up and read until I was done. I didn't do midnight releases, but everything oh, else is true. I wanted to, and Dad was like, no, what's wrong with you? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I did it. It was great. No regrets. Well, now it's hard to say. Uh, I do, my roommate is transgender, non-binary, and um, we haven't really discussed it a lot, but I am really active in the writer community on Twitter, and I have a lot of queer mutuals on Twitter, and most of them are saying, if you support J.K. Rowling, then get the fuck out of my life. Um, and those people are way more important to me than continuing to have Harry Potter in my life or to have J.K. Rowling in my life, because fuck her. <laughs> so that's a line that I've drawn is, you know, I have Harry Potter shirts and I have my Harry Potter stuff and I'm not going to wear my Harry Potter shirts anymore because I know that it will hurt my trans friends to see that. And even if I'm not giving money actively to J.K. Rowling, it's still hurtful for those people to speak out and say, hey, this isn't okay, and then kind of feel ignored. Um, so I've driven, a, I've, I've drawn a line with J.K. Rowling, we're done, goodbye Harry Potter, I can't watch it anymore because I know that it's, even though I've already paid the money for it and I'm not putting more money into it, I know that it's hurtful to people that I really care about. On the other hand, Twilight? Just horrible. It's awful. But it's my depression go-to because it's... I'm learning so many things about you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's my... Uh, I'll binge-watch all the Twilight movies every... Not the books. Oh, I'll binge-watch binge the movies every once in a while. Like <laughs> <laughs> uh. um, I acknowledge that they're terrible. However, I don't know. They're just something in a high school girl becoming a vampire that I'm just really excited about so and I think I get a little bit of like vindictive satisfaction knowing that um oh my god what's her name Meyer uh not Stephanie Meyer the, the lady who plays um Bella oh case do 
Yeah, she's Kristen Stewart. Yeah, she's gay as fuck. So <laughs> it's fun to watch it and be, watch her be such a lesbian that she's so uncomfortable with everything she's doing. Oh yeah, it's delightful. And it changes <laughs> the entire context. It so does. Like, like so much makes sense just hearing that. I don't yeah. think she was out yet when those. No. Came no. Out, so. no. So I don't know. The line is really not easy, but I feel like my line for me is if people are saying. If you consume this, I'm going to take this as an act of, you know, you are actively hurting me as a person. And, I, yeah, that's where I feel like a good line is. So this does bring up kind of two of the points of where I have seen people drawing lines. Two or three, actually. So mm-hmm. it's a good place to use it. And I've, I've taken down all my Harry Potter stuff because uh, we had all three. Not all three. We just don't have any slow in the house. The three house flags uh, took them down. Not doing any of this stuff. I'm not. I I doubt I am done with Harry Potter. I am not buying anything that will that she'll make any money off of anymore. And I've heard people argue for that line. Like, do uh, do they benefit from it still? Because I've heard some people and be like. That author's dead. It's way easier for me to, you know, they're not making, they're not earning my money anymore. Mm-hmm. And I can see that. Like, it's a lot easier for me to, Robert Howard wrote Conan the Barbarian. And there are some unfortunate lines about, I'm quoting, the blacks in that. And he's trying. It feels like he's trying. But just the language is so 1930s Texan problematic. And his, his being pen pals with Lovecraft probably didn't help. Yeah, but even he thought Lovecraft was a fucking racist. That's true. Uh, three times. Um, oh my god, Lovecraft. Used, his wife, he says, be like, stop yelling about the Jews. I'm Jewish. We've talked about this. Yeah, there was some shit there. Um, but people were like, well, they're, you know, they're, they can't benefit from this anymore versus they're still benefiting from it. Or like, as you pointed out, like, uh, you already own the Harry Potter movies. Some people are like, well, I, I already have it. I'm not giving them more money. I don't know. Like, I'm not saying that's a, like, where the line should be. I don't even know if I agree with it. And it varies. I don't know if I can give up Harry Potter. It is such a fundamental part of me. And I keep thinking of stuff like Daniel Radcliffe being like, if you got shit out of this, like, I have a friend, a personal friend, who... Harry Potter helped her realize she was transgender. Like, it helped her come out to who she was. And she's just about to start treatment. She's she's just a baby out as who she is. I'm being very careful not to name names because I didn't ask first. Uh, but I love you. And it's especially hurtful for her. But, like, you know, where's that balance of this person is denying my existence, but also... She helped me discover who I am. And Radcliffe is like, that's legitimate. You know, your experience with this is still real. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, so is the people who are like, no. So I guess, what do you think about the like the, the benefit? Where does that fit mm-hmm. on? I, it's also, it's very hard because our generation has grown up so much in Harry Potter. I mean, not everybody, obviously, and... Product placement is a thing. Yeah. Uh, But we've just... It's so integrated into, like, the culture 
of anybody who's been involved with Harry Potter that it is really hard to separate that out. I feel like maybe saying that, I don't know where I was going with this, um, <laughs> saying that this is a this is a part of our culture and seeing how it's affected us as a generation and how we've grown up and who we are as people because of that series but also acknowledging you know maybe this is something that we need to see as a, an integrated part of our culture but also recognize that we need to try to move on from that because it became so hurtful to so many people especially to people, like you were saying, who it was really important. Um, like, Harry Potter was great to my life, but I can't say that it helped me come out. Like, there were no queer characters in Harry Potter, so, like... Yeah, that one doesn't really... <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, yeah. So I think maybe, you know, we can recognize that this was an integral part of our culture, but also that we can move on from it and grow and do better and say, hey, let's build on this as a framework for the next generations and let's make something this but not problematic like i think that's kind of how we grow as a society who i really feel for in this one is my eight-year-old nephew who's been reading harry potter oh, boy. and i mean i'm sure he doesn't know about this or if they have i'm sure it's been a like thoughtful conversation mm -hmm. but man like he is i mean he's eight he's on the third book that is the age to really dive into this shit. I have to say, as we keep talking about Rowling, that I'm suddenly very, very happy that my two most problematic faves are both dead. <laughs> it's a thing. You know, I was thinking about this, because the two big ones that have been coming up for me, you two probably didn't know who Warren Ellis was before I started yelling about it a lot, but I've been yelling about it a lot. You guys already heard my therapy session. That one made me directly mad. Mm-hmm. And Cece and I were talking about why that was before we started recording this. Because Rowling, I was like, well, that sucks. And part of it is we've been getting those hints for years as opposed to, like, this was yeah. dropped on me. And the other one, Warren Ellis means a lot to me as a writer. I will pick up books because of his name. Rowling doesn't mean shit to me as a writer, but the world that she created means so much to me. Like, I've never read another Rowling book. And so, I'm like, fuck yeah, drop Rowling. I'm probably not going to see the other Fantastic Beast movies, which is too bad. I thought some of the actors in it were pretty good. Some of it was really bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, like, okay. it, it made more, it was. I had fun watching them. Mm -hmm. um, but Harry Potter is such a fundamental part of who I am in a lot of ways it's a lot harder to give up but they're like oh Rowling's other books I don't fucking give a shit I never have so uh, please jump in if you have something I have well I was just uh, I, as we were as we were months I was just sort of curious Will is there anyone that you have that's problematic that you still fuck with or is there a line that you've for sure drawn against some well so as as we've been going through this conversation I mean um Especially, especially with Black Lives Matter being where it's at, Tolkien has been coming up a lot. I mean, I, I'm white, and I have European descents, so for me, reading Tolkien, like, I, things, you know, the ideas like the fact that he's 
Like, I mean, it's it's hard it's hard for me to 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 read to read this with the nuance that's necessary because I have not had to before. This is something that's that I'm still learning how to do. Um, but as I from the understanding I'm coming to, Tolkien, at least in his writing, uh, not super great with non-whites. I mean, he kind of wrote from... He was an old man in Britain in the 30s through the 50s, mm-hmm. so, like, there's some imperialism deep mm-hmm. Exactly, there. exactly. Um, and, like, I... The men from the East basically all being evil? Yeah. Eastlanders <laughs> now, all... <laughs> see, well, and that's where it kind of gets interesting, because to some, like, I've seen arguments before and against, because some people are like, okay, but he doesn't go, like, yeah, there's stuff where it's like, hey, this is clearly a black person that's being painted as bad. But then I've also, like, I've also seen arguments of there's elements that are nebulous enough, and then the movies took things and actually made it worse. Worse. Uh, like, with every, everything... True. Yeah, like, everything <laughs> with how... the about, With Easterlings was, in the movies, not not good. I will say, I read the... I listened to... I do audiobooks, mostly. I should stop saying I read. Um, the Children of Hurin which is one of the ones that was published after his death. And I actually really liked it, but uh, there were a few bits there where I was like, okay, so this is clearly the Chinese and you need to like stop old dead man. Yeah. <laughs> no. And um, yeah. And if, like in the, uh, in the, the time when they're in, when the hobbits are in Bree before, you know, when the adventure's still really getting started. Oh God, what is the wording? I can't remember the specific wording. Um, that's sporting man, but that's that's the, the, that one. I mean, that one's huge. That's one of the huge problematic areas. That actually um, is an interesting thing. If I can, oh yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Um, language that was appropriate at the time that has become inappropriate. Uh, swarthy is a good one. There are a few I've read because you know I read old fantasy. Some of those you go oh. <laughs> Oh no! Oh, <laughs> um. yeah, Lovecraft. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm counting that as four. Uh, or like, if you really want to get awkward, I've got stuff from. Uh, I was listening to *The Morda Arthur*, which is a Sir Thomas Mallory writing the King Arthur legend. Like, this is the defining King Arthur legend as we know it. It was written in like 1540 while Thomas Mallory was in prison, which is my favorite part. It's the the, the most famous like version of art mm-hmm. that everyone knows is from a guy who was stuck in prison and was bored. Um, yeah. But there's some lines in there that I'm like, oh, God, no. Oh, <laughs> yeah, but, but it's also like 500 years ago. Um, I've heard arguments for like, we should retire some authors. We don't need to be teaching them anymore. Uh, Mark Twain comes up a lot. And Mark Twain is a great writer. But he was hella racist. And he got better later in life. I read some of his writings where he was like, Oh man, oh, I said some bad things about the Native Americans. And I should not have. Uh, Or to go across the pond, Charles Dickens argued for some really gross shit when it came to black people and imperialism. He was... Dickens did a whole shit ton of good for the poor, but only if you were white. Mm-hmm. 
so I guess, and it kind of comes up with Tolkien, and it kind of comes up with like, are they still benefiting? At what point does it kind of become forgiven, or at what point does it just be like, we should be done now? We can just be over like this author. Yeah, I. An argument I've seen in regards to Tolkien, and I guess that's how I feel. One of the nice things about Tolkien's world is, and how things are presented, is it's there's a great deal of flexibility in there. I think stuff like, I think writings like Tolkien's, I mean, even, even with Tolkien writing from a British imperialist viewpoint, his, there's a lot of his work that resonates with people. And I feel like it's entire... I feel it is possible to maintain... to keep those resonating elements while, like, okay, this part's bad. We're gonna... We're gonna, we're gonna set that aside. If... I mean, heck, if possible, like, okay, here's someone from the culture that's slighted there. They get to decide what happens What happens with this. That's a really this... interesting, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, let 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 them decide, okay, here's what we're going to do with this. And encourage the voices that didn't, that did not get to speak in these, in these older pieces. Let them speak up, like, I, I, I would love to see, I guess, I, I guess, for, for lack of a better way to word this, I would love to see a black take on Tolkien. I would love to see what happens that's different there because I don't have... There's so much perspective I do not have that... I mean, I'm... I've said before, I'm white. I, there's huge... I'm white, and that's been my cultural background, and it's with all the problems that come with that. Well, and we live in a super white state, well, too. And, well, We're I mean, in I, the top, like, eight, I well, think, at this I was, point. I looked that up recently I mean, and was not happy to I was that. born. I was born in California, but even with that, I mean, I've... My parents were middle class while I was growing up, so that meant... Middle class, white, mid, middle, Yeah, middle class, white sticks with middle class, white. And, I mean, I've... I've got right now. I've got two podcasts I listen to now that are by black hosts, and there's been there's things that I've learned from those just just in the past couple weeks that I never would have thought about or considered. There's little pieces that like, oh, that's why that's a thing, and and it, it's I mean it's a struggle because I don't I'm still very much at a point where. Mo- what most of what I'm aware of is the gap that I will be trying to cross for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. I feel like a really important part of building diversity, especially in our spaces, is to just actively seek it out. Uh, this has been, I mean, it's always been a conversation in publishing and I'm just going to talk about the writing world a lot because it's it's, of, it's your area. I'm, it's where good. I am right now. <laughs> I'm very involved with the writing community and with the activism and things that are happening there. And publishing does it actively discriminates. I mean, as as do many other niches. But um, we've been talking a lot about lifting up black voices and seeking out 
things that are written by black authors because they're out there. And I bet if we looked hard enough, we would find a black author who's written a Lord of the Rings, basically. But it's so hard to find because publishing doesn't want you to find it. I am um, blinking her name, but an artist called this out recently. And she got so much fucking flack for it from mm -hmm. the Tolkien fanboys. Because she took a picture of, and I wish I knew this artist's name. I've never read her book, so I read the like Twitter thread and then later went... Oh, she sounded interesting. Who was that? I don't <laughs> fucking know. Um, she took a picture at like a Barnes and Noble, and she's like, "There's two shelves here of Tolkien. This is why black authors can't get their names out there mm -hmm. because we have to compete with a guy that died 80 years ago." Yeah. And on one hand, I have some kind of sympathy because people are still reading Tolkien. You're still reading Tolkien. You're a big Tolkien fan. Yeah. Like, I get why these are being sold. Because they are reliable sellers. But on the other hand, how often with the amount that we're putting up reliable sellers are we losing other more important voices? Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, mm -hmm. I feel Not like... more important, but, like, less heard voices. Well, I think the, the bigger takeaway from that is, like, people are still reading... Like, people know who Tolkien is mm -hmm. already. Mm -hmm. We don't need two shelves to know who he is. It's like we don't need a fucking Confederate statue up to know that they existed. Mm -hmm. We we hear about that already. We no, already it, know that it shit. Turns out this is just known information. <laughs> but, so, like, what, what's... You're not really increasing sales by having mm -hmm. two shelves worth of Tolkien. We already know and we're going to seek it out if we want it. Yeah. They just know it'll sell, so they keep it up there. Mm -hmm. At the same time, they're a company, like, while we're in the world of capitalism, they need some level of we know it'll sell. I get it. Uh, thinking of your your bit about listening to black voices in creative aspects, which I've been trying to do a lot more of lately, particularly in comic books, but I've been looking for fantasy stuff too, is I've, I've been surprised how difficult it was in one way in the amount of times where I'm like, shit, I think I found one. This is a very proudly black book or movie or whatever and then find out that oh look whoops white author white creator uh fast color which we did an episode on a few weeks ago great fucking movie and i was sure it was made by people of color the main actors were people of color right white writer director producer and it doesn't mean that that book was any or not book movie was any less good but like changes things. It, 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 yes, and it makes it a little harder to find yep. uh, products by people of color. At the same time, I don't want people of color stuck only being allowed to write the black book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, there's, I've seen a lot of authors talking about that too, is like, stop, because, you know, with the riots going on and everything, all the media, not all media, but many media places have jumped on, you know, here's all of our um, you know, Netflix has a playlist and who has a playlist of like, here are documentaries we have about struggles that black people have had throughout history and are having now and blah, blah, blah. But people are saying, yeah, but where's the stories? Where's the, where's black people being happy? Where's black people getting to live their dreams and like live their lives and just, you know, doing stuff and not just the struggles. So I think, I don't know, conversations are really going to have to be ongoing a lot. And I think 
the big part of that and like kind of tying it back into what we're talking about is your problematic faves. If you have your problematic fave like token or um, token. Or JK Rowling or whoever, like go and see if you can find something that's similar that's written by a black person or someone who's not white. Um, one of the things that I've seen a lot in publishing, especially like I follow the publishing world through Twitter because it's very active and um, it moves quickly and I feel like it's more the voices of the people rather than the voices of the media and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. um, it's great. I love Twitter. It has its problems for sure, but um, <laughs> I've learned more and become a much better person just by being on Twitter than from anything else. So um, there's that to be said for it and I think social media has a big impact on uh, our ability to be better and do better and to lift up marginalized voices. Can I tell a story that, like, just like four sentence story yes. that I read in an article today? Yes. It's super, it's about social media. So they made a new, this is a social media with like no limits on free speech. Oh, conservatives. Christ, I don't know what you're talking conservatives. about. <laughs> I don't remember if it's called, it's not Gab, it's the, it doesn't matter. It, it's the same fucking, it's Nazi Facebook, it's Nazi Twitter, whatever we yeah. want to be. <laughs> No one wants to be on it because no liberals are on for them to get mad at. <laughs> they were like, this is a social media for like the alt-right, for people to be free. But no one will fucking go on it because they just have themselves to deal with. And it turns out no the alt-right dealing with the alt-right is terrible. Yeah. They're like, oh, God. We need someone to like <laughs> unite and yell at. And to the point that they are offering $20,000 to anyone with 50k followers who will sign up for that. Holy and people shit. are like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Because uh, the problem is unlimited free speech is important. But unlimited people can say whatever they want without being allowed to be called out yada 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 is a problem. Because eventually other people will just leave and you're just left with assholes. You have the right to say something. That doesn't mean that you don't have the right to not have to deal with the consequences of what you said. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I'm sorry, you were talking okay. about actual things, <laughs> not <laughs> laughing at shit. Not, not Nazi Twitter. Uh, Nazi Nazi Twitter, not That's Nazi not Twitter, Twitter, which is normal Twitter. Out <laughs> specifically Nazi Twitter as opposed to... To Twitter Twitter. To normal Nazi Twitter. <laughs> yeah, so just... I think... Best thing you can do, whether no matter where you decide to draw your line with your problematic faves, is to stop and see if you can seek out something that is similar. Um, because odds are someone has read Lord of the Rings and said, Wow, this is really white. I want it to not be so white, and I want it to have people who look like me and you know who are like me in this story. Somebody's probably written it. Because I think that's why, I mean, that's why I got into writing, because I was reading so much stuff to the point that I was reading, basically, you know, high schoolers' really terrible diaries online. Well, yeah, you just were into, because I you're just, into, like, the yeah, fan writing pages, too. I went too, into is... the deep, sad things on the internet, because um, <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted lesbians, damn it. Um, 
Oh god, fan fiction oh, yeah. lesbians is never good. <laughs> yeah. Or great. Um, so, sometimes they're good and they're getting better, but a lot of it is because people have said, I want media that looks like me, feels like me, you know, that I can relate to because I don't want to just sit here and watch all these straight white people doing straight white people things when it could be not straight white people doing straight white people things. One thing I read recently that was about, you know, I want media that represents me. Mm-hmm. And that's super important. I'm not trying to argue that at all. But it's, it's not just that. It's we also need media that we're watching about people who don't look like me. Mm-hmm. So we can normalize that. Mm-hmm. Well, and to, yeah, I mean, these, the barriers that say these people are not like me are inherently artificial. And there's going to, you know, there's going to be, ex- there's experiences that a black person's going to have. I'm never going to have those. Mm-hmm. There's also going to be a lot of experiences that they'll have that I will look at and go, I recognize that. Mm-hmm. I was there. And even if it wasn't exactly the same thing, too. Like well, it's... yeah, no, yeah, there'll be the, their individual unique twist on it that comes from hand motions oh doing i got i got this, again, <laughs> it's completely <entirely> audio <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i interrupted yeah you again. but the like worst. there's um a story written by another human being just by virtue of that is going to have something of you in it you might have to look a little harder than in some cases, or you might have to learn some things to to see where that where that piece is. But all like all of us are in all of these things somewhere, mm. and I think that's. Um, and I mean, I, I, I can't re- I can't remember at this point where I picked this idea up for. I think it was from one of the black podcasts I picked up because, especially right now hey, here's a bunch of white people coming and listening to your black podcast because, hey, we we want to be on your side, but we don't know how to do this. Mm-hmm. And one of the things one of the things I've heard expressed is, well, I mean, we're all, hu- like, we are, we are both human beings, and because of that, there's going to be stuff that, there's just that on its own means there's stuff that we share. There's and common can, ground. Yeah, yep. and you can find that. And then also appreciate the things where it's like, where it's completely different and learn to and love those things that are completely different. Do you guys mind if I pivot the conversation a little bit? Okay. Go for it. So one thing I was thinking about on where the line is, is on how much damage they're actively doing. Like, do you have some shitty ingrained opinions versus are you actually working to harm someone mm-hmm. to use and, and, and yes ingrained opinions and words and uh, the platform you were using to say shitty things absolutely matters I am not arguing against that but like because it's beat up on Rowling Day because she's <laughs> here and the most recent and the biggest name to do it Rowling has said some shitty stuff about trans people and uh, she tries to be positive queer but I've heard some real arguments about yes there (laughs) but on the other hand Orson Scott Card was like fucking chairman or sat on the board for the National Organization for Marriage he put in time and energy and possibly money probably money 
to actively limit the rights of gay people to get married. Of the entire queer community to kind of exist. I mean, he argued for, like, it should be illegal. You should get prison time for being gay. And also hasn't let up on it. I think he was on Ben Shapiro's podcast just as early as, like, two months ago. Oh, yeah. he And he wrote some really gross... He, like, rewrote Hamlet recently that had uh, the my King soul, Hamlet be a pedophile, and because of that, out. his kids were gay. Yeah, oh boy. he is problematic. But Ender's Game is one of the best science fiction novels ever written. And, like, in the same way that, you know, you were saying... Rowling is done. We can live with that. I had to hit that with card years back. Yeah, I actually. But I don't have it on Rowling. So, like, is that fair, or is the fact that he does more? Da- I don't. I don't know. I think so. One of the things that I've seen a lot recently, as you know, with the quote-unquote call-out culture, which is really just the BS way of saying we're done with your bullshit and we're not going to stand for it anymore. Well, and unfortunately, Um, there have been, and these are rare, there have been cases where people have been attacked for shit that they should not have been. mm -hmm. On large scale and on small scale, I've seen people be like, hey man, like you that was really unneeded. Mm -hmm. But also, it is absolutely required that, hey man, that's not okay. You did bad. And we can't (laughs) use the first one to pretend the second one doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really important to note how those people respond. Keep shitting on Rowling. She she doubled down. buckled down so hard. She wrote a whole fucking essay about how transgender people aren't real and that they're hurting lesbians, which, hello, I'm a lesbian, and my best friend who lives in my basement is transgender. So Fuck you. <laughs> um, when you have to write a manifesto and you're calling it yeah. a manifesto to justify yeah. your opinion, it's not always bad, but think real fucking hard about that opinion <laughs> mm-hmm. before you post that on Twitter. If someone from a community who you are not from, or a lot of people from a community that you are not from, say, hey, what you're saying is problematic and your response is to double down and say, fuck you, I'm right, uh, goodbye. However, there are also people who have asked questions. They've said, please, can you tell me why I'm wrong here? Or I'm sorry that I'm wrong. I will do my best to learn more, even better. I'm going to actively go. I'm not going to make you teach me because it's not your job to do that work. I'm going to go and seek out the answers. That's the best. So, you know, if you're problematic faves, stop and say, I'm really sorry that I did this. was out of ignorance and now I'm going to go and do better or it was whatever reason and now I'm going to go learn and do better and I'm going to do my best to divorce myself from this thing that happened and be a better person great that's what we want to see the action is important Mm -hmm. Uh, there was a writer named Brian Wood in comics a few years back who was accused of being a creep I don't don't think he assaulted anyone but he might have gone into that gray area of inappropriateness. I don't know. I have, this was years back that I read about this. But I, he did come up recently in the conversations about Warren Ellis for being a creep because one of his accusers, one was like, Brian Wood is a fucking creep to me, was talked about how they had a real conversation and Wood made real effort over the last several years to learn. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I think that brings up an, another interesting point and something you slightly touched on earlier is like, where where does the scale tip back again? Because we had things like uh, the James Gunn getting fired for a short period of time for earlier tweets, which he said was some real gross shit. He said some real gross shit. But according to everyone in his life and that he had worked with for the past 10 years was that he was a changed man from that point. Well, and even people who had called him out because it was the Mary Sue. It's a a feminist based nerd news website, in case you don't know, found those tweets and was like, hey, James Gunn. And he was like, oh, God. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm 32 years old. I try real hard. But if you found shit that I said. 10 years ago, five years ago, even there is shit that I have done in my life. This makes me sound like a serial killer, uh, that I go, Oh no. Oh, that is uh, been there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because I said shit, you know, 10 years ago, that was real stupid. Doesn't necessarily mean that I shouldn't be allowed. I should not be using me as a personal example here, but we get this doesn't mean that I can't be allowed to grow and do shit in the future, but it's the growth mm-hmm. that matters there. Mm-hmm. And it's also important to recognize, like, people don't have to forgive you if you said those things and they were too hurt. Like, you know, you find out your fave is problematic, you don't have to forgive them even if they get better. Yeah, mm-hmm. there is... You, <laughs> no one is owed forgiveness mm-hmm. is a real hard lesson to learn. But it's important. There are people in my life who do not like me because of shit that I did when I was 21. Again, I promise I'm not like... (laughs) uh, But because I was an asshole or because I was inappropriate because, hey, turns out that we were all raised in really toxic masculinity culture. um, In a really racist state. In a really racist... (laughs) I don't think I've done anything on that front, but that doesn't mean I haven't. Uh, Well, there was this... No. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I did say I carumba in a really inappropriate way once as a joke. Uh, and then right immediately as soon as I said it, I was like, that damn land. That damn Tyler, land. edit that out. Edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Fuck, this is complicated. Just to toss in another angle on this, what happens when there are more creators than just one? Like, I was talking about this at work today, and there was, you know, it, it's a lot easier when you're like, this author sucks, but say to use Warren Ellis again, cause he's on my name or Cameron Stewart. Who's good. He's one of like four people. Cameron Stewart was one of four people that worked on the Batgirl of Burnside. Do all of those others lose their work too? Because that guy sucks. And then you take it even bigger. Kevin Spacey's the fucking worst, but hundreds of people worked on the movie baby driver or the house of cards or whatever. Do all of them lose their work because of that? That's it's really funny you bring this up because actually, as soon as I mentioned to, to a guy that I work with earlier this week that we were going to be kind of covering this this subject and stuff, he just sort of was like, "Oh, Polanski," and I'm like, "Yeah, dude, I love the piano. Dude sucks though." I don't know Polanski, which is uh, Roman Polanski, super famous director, did like. Rosemary's Baby, The Piano, uh, okay, yeah, some other things, and also, what was it? He raped a thirteen-year-old. Oh boy, something like that. I don't remember the exact charges, but he doesn't come into the United States because he would get arrested. Oh yeah, okay, I, I do remember this now. <laughs> um, 
but Rosemary's Baby is also one of the most seminal works of uh, film horror ever made. Like, and The Piano is an amazing movie. Adrian Brody gives a just heart-wrenching performance. But it's Polanski. I was thinking about this because, Will, you told me about, when on the Pokemon episode, about an episode of Pokemon that isn't aired anymore because one of the major people in it was arrested for something. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, um, the, Pikachu, the Pikachu and Pichu short mm -hmm. at the beginning of the second movie. Um, in... God, I, actually, I want to still have it in my notes. He... Taking more notes for two episodes than I have for like <laughs> we're at like thirty. <laughs> but yeah, if, as I recall, uh, he was busted for drug use, which in Japan that's a big no. -no. Is a, yeah, it's, apparently is a big deal to the point where, and I guess the way that they punish this in Japan is, all right, you're canceled, your stuff banned. Like your the stuff that you worked on is is locked. See, part of me thought that was brilliant, and the other part of me thought about like all the other animators, all the like voice actors, all the people who worked hard on that thing, and it who lost that because of the one asshole. Mm -hmm. At the same time, CC pointed this out to me because apparently I just talked this episode through with my wife before we actually recorded it. Nice. Yeah, I know it's great. Um. I'd love to have her on it, but she is not a fan of the idea. Uh, <laughs> how how much can that idea be used to shield bad actors? Oh, sure, I know I did this bad thing, but hey, these other 40 people on set didn't, and so we should still, you know... Mm -hmm. I don't think there's a good answer for that. I and that's kind of the thing. No matter what we are, there isn't a hard and fast answer. Like, I mean, people still read Mein Kampf. And some of them read it for really terrible reasons, but some of them read it as, like... Reading to understand and yes. not repeat. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a very different situation. If anyone's reading uh, Mein Kampf because it's your fave, then, oh, you are beyond problematic. <laughs> You're a fucking Nazi. But, uh... I... I do think in that regard, in for, for this, there is a point where I feel that the art, uh, and I think I said this on the Pokemon episode during this discussion about, um, about that, for the Pikachu and Pichu short guy, I do feel there's a point where the art, or the, the art belongs to the people consuming it, and no longer to the individual produced it. I guess, I guess the... Death of the artist yeah, is death, the death term. Of the, death, yeah. Um, and, like, I would like to think that it is possible to, this individual is bad. They are going to take the consequences of this. But the people, and then you still allow the people who, I mean, I fucking love that, that short. I would love to see it again. I don't, know if that's even an option. I mean, I guess I don't really will. It's probably in America, but yeah. who knows? Yeah. You know, but uh, there's... You, know. you can pirate that shit. <laughs> uh, Radcliffe talked about this in his essay about uh, stuff that Rowling was saying. 
that you know uh, Neil Gaiman is a big supporter of it. He when people ask him questions, he might say, you know, this is what I thought, but if it's not explicitly stated in the book, your head canon is valid. Like he is very much once it's out in the world, it's not mine anymore. Like it's I wrote it, but it's not mine. Uh, I know John Green's the same way. Uh, and I think there's a real argument for that. As much as there is a real argument for if you're supporting this, you're reading this stuff by this really nasty person, then you are tacitly supporting them if not. Mm-hmm. It is, and this is why I say that the line is different for every person, and it is different even for what person or what author you're talking about. And it might change over time. There might come a day where I am just done with Harry Potter forever. I am already reevaluating it based off shit you said. It's not a hard and fast line of like A plus B equals C, but you know, with A here, and then at this point in my life, B might be stronger, and then God, there's variable D. Uh, um, something actually, I'm wrestling with something like this right now. There, I mean, I, I, I don't really talk about it in my day-to-day life, but the I am part of the furry community. And there like there's there's an artist that I follow within this within this community that like I've appreciated their art up to this point. And then two days ago, two days ago they make they made a post saying something to the effect of uh, complaining, I guess effectively complaining about asexuals being on dating sites because it's like oh look this person is attractive oh they're asexual and I'm I'm asexual I have spent significant time having to wrestle with what the hell does that mean for me in romantic and sexual spheres because that's a very big fucking deal turns out a person shouldn't be allowed on a site this is what they're saying this is not what I'm saying a person shouldn't be allowed on this site because I can't fuck them is the grossest statement. Jesus Christ. And I realize that women have to deal with this shit on a pretty regular basis in a way that I fucking don't. Jesus, I never Mm -hmm. even... And, you know, and I'm like, I'm not, I mean, I still am not decided on do I keep following this artist or not. I mean, I, they're... Their works don't don't seem to carry acephobic ideas to me. I honestly, outside of this one thing, I don't see that as being in their sphere. But now I have to sit there. And, I mean, you're gonna think about it every I'm, time that you... every time, yeah, yeah, every time, every time I've seen them come up since, that's been something like, all right, so this is here. What do I do with this now? And I, you know, I still don't have an answer. I maybe have an answer, and this depends on your comfort level also. (laughs) An option, not an answer. Um, One of the nice things we can do with living artists, especially people who are more, who aren't, you know, big time, I mean, like, I couldn't, I mean, Stanley's dead now, but when he was alive, I couldn't, like, write a letter to Stanley and be like, dude, you're racist, why are you being so racist? Like, I wouldn't get a response. However, if you have smaller artists, um, like independent artists that you can contact through Twitter or other means of social media. Uh, I had a friend who did this recently. She saw an artist or a writer or someone post something. It might have just been a tweet and she 
messaged them and said, hey, this is problematic because blah, blah, blah. And they were like, oh, wow, thank you for telling me. I'll take it down and I'll make an apology and great. So, like, with people who are alive and accessible, like, great option. Maybe the person legitimately just doesn't know. And that, you know, if that can help your peace of mind to be able to say, hey, this, I didn't like this thing that you did. It made me uncomfortable in my identity and, you know, whatever. Great option. Um, I had a conversation with another lesbian fiction author recently. Um, I've been really fired up about Black Lives Matter and stuff. Mostly. Well, this is the time for it, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyways, um, yeah, I've kind of been on fire because, uh, I mean, even as a white person, it has affected my personal life pretty significantly, um, which is not, it's not how it should be, but it's happening. Um, so at least we're going It's how it way. is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I should have been fired up about it, you know, from the beginning of my life, but here we are. Um, I was raised in Montana as a middle-class white person with white parents and um, not an excuse, but I'm doing what I can. Anyways. Um, <laughs> it's okay. Being raised in Montana, I was also raised as a white person, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, where was I going with this? Oh, right. Black Lives Matter. I was discussing with another white author who was saying that um, they'd written books with black main characters. And I'd gone on to this Facebook group to say, I would love to see more black characters in every corner of every genre, especially in lesbian fiction, because I've seen a lot of black authors. Well, there's not a ton of black authors in lesbian fiction. At least there are, but they're, you know, suppressed because, like I said, publishing is racist. Um, and the lesbian fiction community is really bad about it, which I find really disappointing because I want to be involved in that community, but I can't be involved in a community that's going to be that racist. So I've heard um, that kind of very, very white. The um, queer community has some racism issues to deal with. And, uh, finding black characters written by black authors is incredibly difficult. I mean, the list is very, very small. So I went on to this group and was like, hey, I would love to see more black characters and instantly several white authors came on and were like, oh, here's my book that I wrote with a black main character. And so I had to go back and amend and say, what I meant was I want to see black characters by black authors. <laughs> and they were all like, well, blah, 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 and it instantly turned into this whole up in arms defensive thing. And I was like, and some of them were actively like, please explain to me why. And I was like, okay, well, I'm white and I'm here and I have the energy and black people are sick of having this conversation, so I'm going to do it and see if we can make something of it, um, which didn't really happen. But, yeah, so calling calling out people you can is really important. I'm hoping that some of that will sink in for some people. At some point, it may not, and it's hard. It's also hard to draw that line between, I am a white person. How far can I take this conversation or this argument without going out of my lane? And speaking out of turn when you know this isn't my community that I'm speaking for and I'm doing my best to just kind of do the things that black people have asked us to do so that they don't have to do it all the time but that doesn't mean you know having to speak <laughs> up while also at the same time having to like 
listen or know when not to fucking speak mm -hmm. is real hard. And it's real important, but it's really hard. It's really hard. Because <laughs> it's another place where I think the lines are different for different mm -hmm. people. And, and I spent half of that immediately trying to be like, what are some black lesbian comic books I could learn to? <laughs> and there's one on the tip of my fucking tongue, and it's just not... Driving me nuts, Anya. <laughs> is it written by a black author? That's the real question. Marvel's been pretty good about that lately, good. so probably Yay. it's a Marvel book. Celebrations. Okay. We're getting closer. Yeah, <laughs> but those things. They oh. And it was it was a hard conversation to have. It's a hard concept to grasp as a white author, but black stories are not my stories to tell. So trying to explain to white people, and especially as a white person that black people are asking us not to write their stories because it's taking away their platform to write those stories is really, really hard. But let's throw a wrench into that. But simultaneously, it's important for us to include diversity in the things have, we are creating. Have to have the diversity, but it needs to be... You need to be not writing the story of... You can't be co-opting, yeah. I think. Uh, white <laughs> feminism is the term for it a lot. Yeah. Of kind of, there's a white savior complex to it. Uh, mm -hmm. My favorite example of this one, not favorite, it's terrible, stop doing it, people. If you're going to have a Native American character, pick a fucking tribe <laughs> and have it be a real tribe. Mm -hmm. Or if they're from... Are you looking at Nightwolf right now? I'm looking at Nightwolf. I am looking <laughs> at Chakotay from Star Trek Voyager. I'm looking at Red Wolf from Marvel. Uh, T-Hawk from Street Fighter. Fucking take your pick. <laughs> you know, and it's okay if they're like, oh, I'm from this tribe and this tribe. Like, that that's a uh, thing that happens. The Land Lakes Butter. <laughs> yes. Oh, boy. Yes. Uh, and, and so many people are like, well, we didn't want to get it wrong. Then do your fucking research. Mm -hmm. I've seen the amount of research the comic book writers will do, and I'm apparently beating up, it's my lane into, like, obscure fucking English history. Do it to the native tribes, too, if you're going to be writing a native character. Yep. It's not hard. Yeah. You could even have a character who doesn't have a deep connection to their native tribe. This is what I've always wanted to do. And have a, have a story where they are discovering more about it to give yourself a little bit of wiggle room while you are researching and figuring it out. And then you can also tell a very personal story about discovering your own culture. Not only does that give you wiggle room, but it will help you connect to a broader audience. I speak, I say that as someone who, as I made a joke earlier, was raised white, but it's true that I have to like go out of my way to get more brown voices into my life and like find podcasts and stuff because... Growing up in Montana, that just wasn't around me. My my experience has been growing up brown, but not knowing exactly what that brown is, because I'm not I, I I didn't have you know some homies down on the street corner to hang out with. Like you were the only one of us. I was the only one, and I, so so it was like it was like me and my brother, and then because he was also brown, we'd go hang out with our native friend and like. Try. I mean, there there was that in Montana. Like at least, I I was mistaken for native all the time. Which there's some blood there anyway. I don't like to claim that because I don't actually have that. Like that's not really my background. I didn't 
have the reservation life or any of the other cultural signifiers that tend to go with that. Bloodline doesn't necessarily mean heritage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Although at the same time, I also like to think of it as like the only reason I'm considered Mexican was because some other assholes put down borders. That's fair. Yeah, that's... (laughs) So, I mean, it gives you wiggle room if you don't know and you're still going to connect with people because there's so many of us that because the world is a lot more diverse than a lot of creators make it out to be, that there is the range of experience that you would still be connecting with somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I would love to see that. Like, I, It makes me sad thinking about the fact that I'm, unless I make it myself, which I don't, like, I'm not that kind of creator, so I don't really have the want to do it, that I'm also never going to see my story. These are shit I don't ever have to think about. Like, and and, and I, I kind of forced myself to think about it, but, you know, sit in a room with three different people with three different experiences, and man, it really, like, I will never have to be like, God, I have to go out of my way to find people who look like me. I would have to move to a different continent. And like specific continents for that to be a thing. Yeah, it's a weird experience. And I think we probably don't even think about it that much because like, I don't know, I just didn't really think about things until I was a lesbian and then I was a lesbian and I was like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, yeah, it's hard to, I mean like, and you know, like you said, it's, you can't, you don't have, it's kind of a fear of never having that that story that just really hits the spot for you because it doesn't have the people who look like you or have the experiences that you do. And like I said, it's why a lot, especially like creators in marginalized communities start creating because they can't find the stories in the media that makes them feel like they belong um, or like they exist. And I, I don't know, I mean, I found, and since I've started writing, I've found a lot of lesbian fiction, but like I said, it's very, very You have to go light. looking for it's it. Very, yeah, you do have to go looking for it, and I've been involved with that community for five, six years now, probably, and I still feel like I've just kind of scratched the surface. But I have noticed it's very, very white. Um, we have, I mean, there's definitely some major bi erasure that happens in the lesbian community, um, which we have to work, you know, more towards saying it's sapphic fiction or queer women. It hasn't really been said. It's still kind of a thing that's like, we need to find a way to combat this so we stop erasing bi women and transphobia. Yeah. (laughs) That's a big thing. We talked about it on the Midnighter episode. Uh, Midnighter was written, uh, the most recent series was written by a guy named Steve Orlando who kept being called a gay writer writing a gay superhero book. And he's like, no, I'm not gay, I'm bi. Like, mm-hmm. let me have that. Mm-hmm. Will, do you mind if I ask a kind of personal question? Go ahead. How important is it for you, as someone who is asexual, to find asexual... Because I know there's been a couple of times where I've reached out being like, I think this person would qualify. And you got, like, really excited. D- do you... Feel that same, like, urge. I'm white guy struggling through the sentence. I apologize. Oh, um, I get what you're getting at, though, because as soon as you brought it up, I was curious because 
even as I've sought to see more brown people on screen, I kind of realize that even as that has increased, once you mention that you're asexual, like 99% of the characters I still see in anything are actively engaged in trying to pursue a sexual relationship. Yeah, like how big is it for you to try and find asexual representation? You know, it's it's kind of funny because like, I don't want to say that it's a thing I've given up on, Mm-hmm. but there's, I guess like, it's kind of a, there's, there's almost, there's almost so little of it that there's not like, when, when I went to a furry convention, there was a panel on asexuality. There were less It's got to be interesting in the furry community that's so legendary for its um, I, horror I, dog. I, I Ooh, that was way, <laughs> well, way actually, that's than fu- I intended, that's, but... that's good. That's funny. I like that. Oh, um, and well, and I could so give, bad. I could have, a, like, I could, I, well, I don't think I qualified to give an actual lecture on that, but I, that would be a discussion I would love to have because it is a fascinating intersection for me. But I was in this room. There were maybe there was I don't know. There were like less than ten of us in there, mm-hmm. and like two or three of them were not asexuals, but they were in relationships with asexuals and wanted to learn. Were there to learn more? Yeah. That was the first time in the first and only time in my entire life where I've been in a room and been like, "Holy shit! There's there's more than just me here." Mm-hmm. Thing I never had to consider. Yeah, I mean, and it's. <laughs> it's She's wearing an asexual shirt. You can't see this, but. Oh, I didn't even pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one of my faves. <laughs> it's. Sorry, you were showing off the shirt. Just, I felt like it was okay to say that. Yeah, and like, it's kind of like it's it's kind of funny because, in many ways, like, I'm still figuring out what the hell does that look like what what the hell does, would that look like to me what do i want that representation to look like i mean mm-hmm. i'm asexual but i i mean that doesn't mean i don't enjoy it i can engage with sex and sexual material on many levels but but it's not something you necessarily seek out i want to go well I'm I'm sorry, mean, apparently yeah. we're just deep diving into this. Well, <laughs> um, well like, that's really kind of funny, because, like, I mean... You're going. <laughs> I don't, like, for me, I don't, I don't really get sexually attracted to people. Mm-hmm. That does not mean that I'm not horny as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a really, like, even, like, even being in, like, oh, here's a room full of asexuals. I'm the only one in here who's a horny asexual, I think. What the fuck does this I'm not mean? I'm not sure what that entails. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I, I have been meditating on this since February when I went to this convention. I still don't have an answer. Yeah, that's fair. And I don't even know if I'm going to be able to find an answer I don't for know a if long there time. is an answer yeah. to that. It's, Do you feel like because it's so not present that you don't you don't even know what you need because you haven't seen it i think yeah I, yeah i I've, think that'd be a very fair way to put it i read a book recently that had explicitly asexual content in it and i had to reach out to the author and thank them because it 
fucking problem. Just tell me the name of that book real quick. Um, it was. Uh, or, or message it or send it to the author is CB Lee, and um, the series is The Suicide Squad, and it's the last book in the series. That is not what I think of when I think of Suicide not Squad. Suicide I'm sorry, squad. I'm sorry. It's the uh, Sidekick Squad. <laughs> Very different Very book different. there. Sidekick Squad. Um, it's, it's all closer to Young Justice. Amanda, Amanda Waller's asexual um, fiction? The third book was um, Not Your... I think it was Not Your Sidekick? But yeah, it was openly a. Um, it was the main character was openly discussing dealing with possibly being a romantic or asexual. They weren't sure, and the way that she addressed it hit me so hard that it brought me to tears. Um, I mean, so definitely just hearing you talking. About this, <laughs> tear up. Yeah, it was so good. So I feel like, and I mean, I don't know, asexuality is so weird. Because, like, for me, especially being a lesbian, and for a long time, I erased it. I was like, well, I'm having sex, so I must not be asexual anymore. And then I got on Twitter and started um, <laughs> talking to other, or, you know, seeing other asexuals and talking about having sex and experiencing sexual attraction or enjoying sex and experiencing sexual attraction are not the same thing. That's... I don't know how many times, I don't know how many times I've explained to people the yeah. split attraction model. Yeah, it's... That's an interesting thing I was thinking of of asexual characters in fiction. Like when I find one, I'm like oh, they're kind of they tend to be aromantic at the same time. It's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. there is no middle ground. Yeah, no, and that's I mean, both asexual and aromantic. I mean, those are both spectrums that are hugely varied. I mean, that's you almost would need to have. I mean. It's almost like, well, what does my representation look like? I don't fucking know, because there's like, how many different versions of how this looks? How many mm-hmm. different permutations? I mean... If you're a creator, go to the Asexuality, Visibility, and Education Network, AVEN for short. It's an asexuality forum. Do some research, and then throw some asexual characters into your media. Learn some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Carefully, and get a fucking uh, sensitivity reader, watcher, whatever, um, whatever your media is. Throw in some asexual characters. <laughs> Thanks. This has been my TED Talk. <laughs> awesome. If you don't all mind, there's one other. There, I wanted to make one more little pivot. Something I wanted to bring up. Well, <laughs> I start. I started off. As amazing as that was. Don't yeah. <laughs> I I started off, and this is also going to pivot back. We've been talking a lot about diversity, and I'm actually really glad it went there. Just instead of just like problematic people, because that gets to be a really bummer to talk about. And <laughs> I I think in a lot of ways we're just saying how easy it should be to include diversity. Anyway. <laughs> um, but I started off asking about like hard limits, who do you not fuck with, who do you, and this. Does anybody have any like weird soft limits? Because like when I was thinking about my own experience with trying to take in some of this media, like I won't buy anything that specifically has H.P. Lovecraft's face. I'll buy Cthulhu oh, stuff, but I'm not going to put H.P.L. himself up on my wall. 
Um, the the, only, racist right, the Sorry, only thing I that I might, you know, make a, an exception for is like, if I buy a book and the cover has his face, then whatever, most of the time it's going to be on my bookshelf with only the spine facing out anyway. That I might make an exception for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is there anything, like, maybe, maybe I don't have the only example of that, but I wanted to ask if anyone else had any little weird things like that, like, all right, they're, they're on the edge for me, so I'll do this, but I won't do that. Or, like I've noticed in recent years, I still love Michael Jackson, but I tend to listen to more of the Jackson 5 era than the older Michael stuff. With comic books, especially thinking of, like, covers and stuff, and with pinups, because I, I love pinups. I love nude modeling. I love pinups. I love classy. I love the kind of trashy. Like, I just... It's a good space. And and this is something I got from my mom, of all people. Like, <laughs> she tattooed a pinup girl on my arm. This is something... Um, there, there is the kind of soft limits of... There's, like... Sometimes I enjoy some, like, kind of trashy sex stuff. You know... Sex comedy or pinup girls that are a little more uh, lewd than classy or whatever. But there's definite ones where I'm like, I don't want that one on my bookshelf. Like, and it's, I guess, if someone is, there is a difference between like lewd and trashy and objectifying. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know where that line is, but I can usually feel it. Mm. Yeah, that's a great line to draw, I think. Or, like, soft line to draw is, like, if you feel like this thing is ooey, then it probably is. <laughs> you I should at least ask yourself why you yeah. think that's ooey. Because I have to, and... you know, ingrained things, it is way easier for something that's gay to feel ooey to me. Because mm. I was raised in 19... 19- in the 1990s in America. Like, that was a thing where, oh, gay people are okay, but just don't talk about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't ask, don't tell. Don't was ask, era don't for tell. a reason. Yeah. And that's not a good thing, and that's something I have to, like, balance. And there was the really fun conversation of, like, I'm actively seeking out more, like, gay things and being like, it's good if it's more explicit. Does that mean I'm gay? No, it just means I'm trying to, like, broaden my mind. It is nothing on the scale of what you guys have to deal with, but it is a definite, <laughs> like, combating internal biases is fucking weird, guys. Mm-hmm. And I think Hard. that might be one of the most important things to kind of draw it mm-hmm. back is, because we're like two hours now. Um, we do this every time. I'm always like, it'll be like an hour. Uh, part of dealing with your faith is problematic is looking at your own internal problematic mm-hmm. points and bias points. And kind of seeing how they affected those, and like, I keep starting sentences and not knowing how to end them. Um, Is being able to see something as problematic and use that as a point to grow from? Is that? Mm -hmm. I think so. Like, (laughs) and like, how much am I internalizing this problematic Mm -hmm. versus how much can I separate it? Mm -hmm. To, with, with the furry community. I mean, there's, this, this thing with, and anthropomorphic animal art. There's huge discussions about where, where I mean, where lines exist, why they exist, where do you cross them, where do you, where do you not? And I mean, I would. There's no way I'd be able to, to get into that uh, on on this episode. But like, um, I guess I'll, I'll 
it's kind of starting with the soft the soft line thing. There's there's artists where, oh well, I'll keep following you. I'm never reblogging any. I'm never reblogging, retweeting anything you post ever again. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, I will like your stuff. I'm never going to, you know, these other these other artists are retweet on site. You're never going to get that from me, mm-hmm. and I'm never going to try to grow your audience. But like there, discussions about these lines are big. I mean, it's when you're especially when you're working with a space where so much of it is pure imagination. But then, well, where does that cross over into the real world? Where does it not? How do we define these lines? There's people that I have seen just get just shut down hard because they drew a topic and then someone someone who's fiercely opposed saw it and then you know there's no nuanced discussion of well what's going on here it's just, just went straight direct yeah, you're just you're, I'm, I'm going to nuke you off the face of the earth and I I think especially when with lines like this I think there's I think there's room for nuance and discussion I think that looking looking at well here's how I engage with this why I engage this what about this is clicking with me um, I guess yeah that's where I was going with it where I was trying to go with this you said like where's this kind of yuck me out where okay well here's a thing that not as many people get this I'm fine with it though well why is that and explore why that is and try to try to see like oh here's where they see it's problematic okay and here's why where I see it's not you know it doesn't mean you have to go and like start championing that flag it doesn't even mean you are like hey I'm 100% for this it could be like it's you're allowed to have a complicated relationship with a thing and be trying to figure out what the hell what the hell do I do with this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and to allow others to force you it you know I think it's it's okay for others to help you get into that space I don't think they should force you in at gunpoint I don't think they should shoot you for daring to disagree with you I do think that you should be open to being pushed into well why why is this clicking with me mm-hmm. and to have to to really dive into why is this clicking with me how is it clicking with me can I take those parts out of it and throw the rest of that away and now I have this part that I like and I'm gonna combine it with this part that I like that's good and now I have a new thing that's maybe you know it'll have its own problems somewhere in there probably but well maybe you got rid of the, some of the you trimmed some of the fat out of it. This bit just makes me think of the scene in Spider-Verse where Peter Parker is talking about his plan to sneak in and like track down the head scientist and like, oh, it's that lady. And goes, oh, cool. So I'm also going to uh, examine my personal biases. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, that, that is the most relatable Perfect. line in a very relatable movie. Um, we shouldn't be relatable because this is about multidimensional spider people. But uh, <laughs> Presented in a fewer dimensions for it's relatable because we can all wear the mask zach (laughs) (laughs) anyone can be spider-man god that's how i live my life Um, (laughs) (laughs) i I just at the end of the day i think that might be the most important thing of if if you're finding your fave is problematic a whole lot of self-examination and a whole lot of examining your own biases is the thing 
you brought it up like almost an hour ago at this point now, Will, and I'm I'm really curious if somebody has written a, a Lord of the Rings or a Middle Earth story from uh, like a POC point of view. Because as soon as you brought up wanting to read something like that, that has literally happened within the the Lovecraft fandom. There's there's a story, the horror at Red Hook, that has some very disgusting racial overtones that has been rewritten as the Ballad of Black Tom that tells the same story from the point of one of the black characters that I don't even think is mentioned in the story, but who would have been there based on the other story, uh, the other characters that were mentioned. Well, and there's that other one coming out called Lovecraft. Oh, Lovecraft uh, County. County. Yeah. Uh, which is about Lovecraft happening to, like, the Lovecraftian horror kind of stuff happening to a black man in one of those, what were they called, sunset towns? The, the like... Sundown. Sundown towns. The towns where, if you were traveling in black, you needed to be out of this town before dark. Oh. Uh, okay. Also known as Olive Oregon back in the day. The... If you're wanting to know why Oregon police are still rather racist. <laughs> Okay. Um, actually, yes, I'm sorry. It, uh, Will, if you have any answer to that question before we... Of the, like, uh, Lord of the Rings from a POC perspective, of, if you know of anything. Um, I mean, I... I mean, I don't, I, I don't know if I was asking I, that's a question yeah, to you. No, yeah, I, I don't... I'm listen, curious in general. Yeah, listeners, if off. you know of one, please shoot it our way, and uh, Zach and Tyler, then you guys get it to me, because yeah, I... Yeah, we'll will, review that shit. I, mean, I would love I'm that. going to that's, drink um, the fuck out of that. And I think I've been looking for some high fantasy written by creators of color. Oh, it exists. And yeah. I know it does. It's just, just fucking finding it, as we've talked about. Um, I hate to kill this conversation because this conversation is amazing. And it went way, I knew it was going to go in cool ways, but it went in ways that I didn't even consider <laughs> uh, that had nothing to do with your famous problematic, but they did at the same time because it's all related. But we are at like two hours. <laughs> and we did a very short news session today. So thank fuck for that. Um, do we have any final thoughts on this subject? Knowing that we could easily come back to this subject at a later date because I'm really liking this episode. I, yeah, me too. We're going to plan a part two, but... I, sweet. When in doubt, ask. Yeah. And don't necessarily ask the people who are complaining, but look at what they're saying. Not complaining, but are, you know, voicing their concerns. Look at those concerns, figure out why it's happening, and figure out if you can do better. Google exists. Yes. Google. Edu- yeah, educate yourself, mm-hmm. because when you ask, when you ask someone who's suffering these things to to teach you about them, you're forcing them to relive all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a take I've heard, if you're going, at the very least, if you're going to do that, pay them. You are now asking them to do physical, emotional, and mental labor. Mm-hmm. Pay them, pay them well. Recognize you are asking an awful damn lot and compensate them accordingly. One thing I have started doing, if I have this kind of heavy question for someone is I'll reach out to, you know, someone I trust, someone that I've had years of this kind of conversation with and be like, Hey, I have a question for you, but only if you have the mental, emotional energy to have this conversation. If you don't, we won't. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I mean, pay that, but like also, (laughs) 
I also really like that though too, because I know, I don't know, like the fact that I'm brown comes up a little bit more often these days. <laughs> um, and I don't, I don't mind. And like, if somebody just asks me off the street, I'm not going to give them that emotional labor. But like even some of my just acquaintances, if they were to just ask nicely enough, like. I wouldn't mind. They just have to make sure I'm in the right spot. Yeah. Because I would rather somebody ask than they go off and just be fucking stupid. Well, and as much as <laughs> Google exists, be careful while you're Googling because it yeah. could be real easy to you're go the way the other hole. direction. Um, yeah. Yeah. Be careful. That's all. Mm -hmm. I think that's. Yeah. Um, I think that's the lesson here. Yeah. Be careful. People sometimes suck. We still sometimes like shit. <laughs> and it's okay if your favorite is problematic sometimes, I think. Like, yeah. on some levels, Terry Pratchett has done so much fucking good. He's one of the most brilliant fantasy writers of all time. But he's a Brit from the 20th century. There is some imperialism in his books that show through, despite all the amazing things that he does, all the really brilliant messages that he has... There's still bits that are like, ooh, that was unnecessary. All right, so no joke, but I know like there's there's POC out there that won't fuck with Terry Pratchett simply because he writes fantasy and was a British white guy. That's legit. <laughs> um, in the meantime, do you guys have any recommendations for us? Um. Well, I... Uh... This is one, Tyler, you've been on my mind this entire time when I've been sitting here thinking about this recommendation. Oh, yes. about you um, <laughs> um, I don't know if you listen to the podcast The Magnus Archives. No. So I'm, I'm not really sure how to, how to summarize, uh, summarize it cleanly and without giving spoilers, but it's, uh, I guess I'll, I'll say it's a thriller horror podcast. Um, it uh, deals with some, uh, like... I'm not gonna say, like it's not. It, I guess there's times when it kind of dips into well. <laughs> I guess fear dealing with dealing with fear, approaching fear is a lot of what it has to do about, and it's it's written very much in a like well here's a, here's a here's a short story uh, given in the form of a statement to the Magnus Institute like I am person I saw this weird fucked up thing hmm. you I heard you guys. Do something with that. All right. Well, write it down, and well, the story the story evolves from there. I think. Okay. Tyler, I think you'll really. I think you might really. I'll have to like check it. that out. I'll have to check that out. Anya. Well, like I said, sidekick sidekick squad series by C B Lee is excellent. Is that V or B? C C no. B C B. Cool. C B. God, what was the last name? I can't remember. Lee Lee. L -E. All right. It's really good queer representation. Very good, diverse sci-fi superhero delightfulness. It's uh, also dystopian, so like dystopian is just my jam. I love dystopian. Oh um, yeah, so good. Up like um, soup. It's what the first thing I wrote was dystopian because I was like, I just want queer Hunger Games, and that was not what it really turned out to be at all. But it was dystopian, so I got that going for me. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm trying to think of, I've seen so many good books by black authors lately because everybody's just shouting them to the hills and it's beautiful, but Thank I God. can't pull any of them off the top of my head and I'm so sorry. Zoraida Cordova, read Zoraida Cordova. 
there's a good one. Um, Labyrinth Lost, and uh, the second book was, uh, I don't remember, but Zoraida Cordova, also queer, person of color. She writes uh, fantasy that's really great. And also wrote a Star Wars spin-off novel. That's why the name is vaguely familiar to yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, Crash of Fate or something like that. It was I haven't read it, so. but I, I follow a lot of Star Wars shit. Yeah. Tyler? Uh, yeah, so let's see. My recommendation will fit right into the Your Fave is Problematic. I will recommend the 2010 documentary uh, Wagner and Me. Uh, Stephen Fry did a documentary in 2009 leading up to him going and taking in uh, a performance of one of Wagner's operas uh, at his at Wagner's old home slash theater. Um, and Stephen Fry having to deal with the fact that Wagner is his favorite composer, and yet he is a gay man, a gay Jewish man who had relatives die in the Holocaust. Oh yeah, Wagner would have hated Stephen Fry. Um, and so it's him dealing with everything we've kind of talked about and having to figure out how he reconciles it uh, after getting the chance to go see this uh, once-in-a-lifetime performance after waiting on a on a ticket wait list for two years just to get the tickets. And to go along with that, because uh, the the term was brought up earlier, I would also like to uh, recommend, uh, she's one of my favorite YouTubers anyway, but Lindsay Ellis has two different videos on Death of the Author, uh, one of which was actually put out literally just hours ago as a response to all the J.K. Rowling stuff. Uh, and she goes really in-depth into... Uh, the use of that literary technique, plus the history of it, and uh, what it isn't, and how people kind of try to use it to separate so they can still keep liking art, but how it's probably impossible to do in a pure way in practice in real life. It's more of a theoretical thing. Uh, but uh, they're really good videos getting into that concept, uh, and like I said, it also kind of teaches you what it isn't so that you don't just do that so you can keep liking shit, I guess. Hearing that, I'm, I'm now I'm sitting here want, like wishing that I had done some, some research on cognitive dissonance because that would be uh, very relevant to <laughs> all of this. Yeah. <laughs> so both of those. Uh... I guess I got two because you made me think of one. PBS did a, I think they called it Great Expectations, but I wasn't sure. They, they had a series of like half-hour specials following various musicals. They did stuff for like In the Heights, Hamilton, yada, yada, yada. Uh, on a huge Lin-Manuel pick. I swear there are other musicals. <laughs> uh, but in the Hamilton one, they had... A bits where the actors were confronting the fact that uh, they're playing slave owners. The guy who played Washington went and visited Washington's home, including the slave quarters, and got to deal with that. Or the guy who played Jefferson being like, on one hand, he was this really incredible person. On the other hand, he sucked. Mm -hmm. And them kind of figuring out their own ways of dealing with the, the cognitive di dissonance of those two things. And the Washington guy, I'm, I really wish I knew this actor's name. I will find it for next week on Hamilton episode. Being like, I don't have to. 
I, I don't have to reconcile these two halves. Mm-hmm. He can be both simultaneously, and it doesn't always fit. Mm-hmm. Which, I'm glad he's able to do that, but also I understand for people who can't. But uh, my recommendation that's a little less, this will only make sense if you know what Hamilton is. <laughs> it's another Audible, because I cannot resist Audible and their free selection. <laughs> uh, is In Search of Black History with Bonnie Greer. It is an eight-part podcast. It was free, I think, last month, but it's worth picking up anyways. Bonnie Greer is interesting because she is a black woman and poet, but she was the one of the... She was the first, I believe, trustee of the British Museum in London that was a black woman. And in search of black history, and I picked it up being like, oh, I'm going to learn about a whole bunch of stuff. And I think the first line, or one of the first lines, is... um, African history doesn't start with the colonizers. Because when we talk about black history, so often it's... And then we enslaved these people and everything that came afterwards. And the first four episodes take place before the transatlantic slave trade even started. And some of it is, you know, their relationships to, like... There's this black man in, named John Blank in Tudor, England... We don't even know that exists. He pops up like four times in one of like the most important relics of that era. He was a trumpeter for two different Henrys who ran. It was like seventh and eighth or something. I don't know. That part's not as important. And then when we talk about the transatlantic slave trade, let's talk about the black warrior women who helped, I mean, on the downside, helped propagate the slave trade by like, kidnapping and selling people to the Europeans. But let's also talk about the black warrior women who were fucking kidnapped and led slave uprisings. Or let's talk about the first black man to ever become a practicing doctor in American soil. Black history is so much more than just the slave trade, even when the slave trade obviously affected every aspect of it. Our white history is very white-centric. It is so good, and it does put a lot of really real conversation. The final episode is basically like, how do we feel about museums as someone who's, like, on the board of trustees? And because there's some really heavy colonialist aspects of museums. Mm -hmm. And, like, they ask the head of the British Museum straight up how he feels about this, and his answer is kind of bullshit. And then there's another Nigerian archaeologist that's like, no. We should have those. And then these women who work in museum spaces who are black women who get to confront this. It was was probably the part that I got the most out of as much as I was like, yes, tell me more about John Blank. (laughs) Or the fucking Kushite empire that stopped Rome in its tracks. No one stopped Rome in its tracks. They did. Um, (laughs) Check it out. Eight episodes long. They're only like half an hour each. So it's, you know, four-ish hours. And it's so... If you have Audible, it's so worth your time. Awesome. Uh, Guys. (laughs) Thank you. I should not say just guys. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on to this. Anya, I promise we'll have you on like a purely... This was fun. But we'll have you on a joyful episode. (laughs) I will probably go into it then, too, because... Because that's what liking things is sometimes. You guys, I love Cora so fucking much. So fucking much. <laughs> yeah, we'll have you back on for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Very specific. We gotta get through Airbender first. Fair. Just, just Understandable. Uh, 
Do either of you have any places where people can find you? Anything that you want to advertise, show off? Anya, you wrote a book, if I remember, that got published. Several books, which are kind of one of which is published, but I'm trying to divorce myself because problematic things. Um, I learning and just growing not as talk a person. About this <laughs> um, That's why I don't know the name of this. Please understand if you go and read my book, I realize that some problematic things happened in there, and I have learned and grown, and I'm sorry that they happened, and I am doing myself my best to. Divorce myself from that situation. We can just um, go. <laughs> uh, I also wrote Unbecoming Humans on Wattpad. If you haven't checked out Wattpad, it's a super cool writing, reading, social media website. Definitely has its problems. Definitely. It's a place. Is I mean every yeah a place. It's a place, so it has its problems. Um, but the people at Wattpad are working really hard to try to make publishing better, to make it more diverse, um, to support people. Who, who are trying to make publishing more diverse, so go check out Wattpad. Will you spell, will you spell it real quick, please? Uh, W-A-T-T-P-A-D, okay, cool. Wattpad, uh, is where I really dove into the, dove off the deep end into lesbic and then started writing. Um, so Unbe Unbecoming Humans is my dystopian story that I was talking about. It's pretty fine. It's pretty fine. <laughs> I don't know, a lot of people like it's it. <laughs> I can do better still, but I'm learning. That's, that's fine. There's so much stuff that I've made. Uh, well, I know you've shown off before, but if you have anything that you want to... Um, I mean... We're still trying to get a podcast out of you. You yeah, are a member of yeah. the Earworm Network. We just... COVID. Yeah, no, COVID's... COVID's sunk so... On the plus side, turns out working from home does wonders for my creative stuff. I haven't really been able to give the podcast thing... The attention it deserves just yet but it's it like it's start it's starting i'm actually turning my attention towards that i'm really excited for when i can bring that here for like, the time being though i don't have anything to be able to like hey look at this like the week before covid started shutting everything down you were like i am here and i have watched that like i went to these seminars about like Doing making things. money off stuff and like expanding audience outreach and I have so much to talk about and then the world lit on fire. <laughs> like that sentence ended and just fire started. Like, Way to jinx us. <laughs> Oops. Um, you know though. Yeah. On the topic of podcasts and the network. Oh really? This is I like your segue. This is good. <laughs> if you wanted to keep listening to us, it would be super awesome if you hit subscribe, however you're listening to us right now. Uh, rating and reviewing would also be super helpful because algorithms run the world and this is on the internet, as you know, because you're streaming it if you're listening to us right now. <laughs> so, like, help us out. That'd be super. The more you interact with us, the easier we are seen. And also just the better product we can make. Also, I've said it before, no one's taken me up on it. I will read the first hate mail that we get. <laughs> on yes. How many times have we said Lovecraft is racist? Because we might get more hate mail if you say it like five Lovecraft more times. Lovecraft is fucking right? racist. That brings us up to six or seven. Six. Six. Yeah, six. Lovecraft is fucking racist. Seven. There we go. There also, we go. if you want to send hate mail and tell us how much we fucked something up in this conversation. I mean, agree. preferably on that one, let's not do hate mail. Let's well, do a real say, conversation. You, I was going to say, yeah, if you want to tell us like, hey, here's nuance to this that you overlooked. Please tell us. I... Yeah. That's why I this started is, with, like, we are all trying. We are yeah, all genuine I mean, here. I, this is a group that wants to learn and grow. 
And mm-hmm. if you if you have the energy and the desire, help us. We'll love you for it. Mm-hmm. And you we've already said have... potential part two, so I we mean, can just address it then. I'm pretty sure this, I, I would love for there to be a part two. This was fun. It was so fun. Uh, in the meantime, as on top of just all of our other episodes, you can, of course, find our uh, sister podcasts, sibling podcasts. Uh, do you want me to do this part? I got it yeah, pretty much down. You've got it. I should just stop. <laughs> Why do I always try to inject myself into this situation? It's okay. I've, I've got this. I've got this. In order to hit us up and let us know all those thoughts, it'd be awesome. You can do it through our website, generalnerdcast.com, or by emailing us, generalnerdrepod at gmail.com. While you're over at the website, you can check out the entire back catalog or go check out our sister shows over on the Earverm Podcast Network by clicking the links up at the top. Listen to me get stoned and talk about horror movies over on Fried Squirms. You can listen to Zach talk about war, war treatises, war gaming, and more with... His Mark. co-host, Malark, <laughs> over on the Art of War Gaming uh, to keep up on all of the news from across the network, including Will's future show. Head over to earvrm.com. That's E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. That'll be the easiest place to keep up on everything from across the network. You can also search for us on General Nerdery across all the social medias. If you search for that, we're going to be what pops up. I'm not going to say at this, at that on every fucking thing. We're, so. we're fucking everywhere. We're not very good at using it, but we're... No, there. I suck at using it, but I do like a lot of AOC and Michael Harriet tweets. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. We were going to avoid politics, and it literally didn't last a single episode. I'm uh, like, if I'm going to be on Twitter, I'm going to hit like on this. But otherwise, I think we hit it all. In the meantime, we're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. I'm William. I'm Anya? Dismissed! Dismissed. Woo!